0: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I am with Mark again. Uh, we haven't had guests for so long, actually. I think we, should, we need to look into that. How's it going, Mark?
0: Yeah, it's going good. Thanks. How was the conference?
1: It was good. Yeah, I'm literally in the hotel room in Bali right now. I brought my microphone, so hopefully the sound is not too different than usual. But yeah, it was good. I actually met, like, and you know, I know Tim Solo from HRS for like five years. It's the first time I actually met him in person. And the first thing he told me when he saw me was like, oh, I thought you were short and fat. And that's not what you look like at all. And I was like, thank you very much. It's good to meet you too." But yeah. So, <laughs> so that that is just one of the stories. But maybe we'll talk about that more in depth. But it was pretty cool. At The conference it was like DMSS value. So if you want to check it out, I mean, it's gone now. But probably we'll be back next year. Anyway, if you want to find the show notes for this episode, it's going to be all on com slash client dash work. And well, we're going to talk about client work, as the URL says. Uh, it's not necessarily a topic that we'd have picked ourselves, but it's something that a bunch of HPro members asked about. So I guess we're going to be talking about that because we've actually done that for about four years before we started going for authority websites full time. Like, is that the amount of time we did that? Yeah, four five years, right?
0: Yeah, four four and a half years, something like that. We we ran an agency business doing online marketing for for other people.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna talk about that. How we would do it if we do it if we did it again if we would do it again, and just kind of like the different business models you can go after. Before we could jump into that, though, I know people care about that. So, you know, that Google update that hit health ambition about two weeks ago now, kind of stabilized. So we have lost about 45% traffic. It's not the super ideal, but it happens. The, the good news is it's only one of many streams of revenue we have. So it's it's, it's annoying, but it's not something that's affecting the business to a large degree. So, our other sites are fine. So, it's kind of unfortunate the one side, which I was the audience went down when the other sites are fine. But, like, it doesn't feel like a threat to the business model, more like a threat to something we did on health ambition. We don't know what it is yet. And we are essentially, our strategy with that is to wait a few more weeks. So, Google has a history of updating its algorithm until the holiday season and not really to change anything until then. So, really, until Black Friday, uh, there's large chances that uh, part of this algorithm update would be reversed. There's several signs like crappy sites ranking higher, some people starting to recover, etc., showing that Google is is still tweaking this. So really, we're not really going to do anything until Black Friday about this, probably. Hopefully, it recovers some. It doesn't mean it will, but maybe. If it doesn't, then, well, it happens. And it could be an opportunity to create content on Atari Hacker on like trying different things and see what would recover a site and, and discovering new things at the same time. So I'm talking quite a bit with the guys. From Page Optimizer Pro, and uh, we're gonna run a bunch of like on-page experiments as well with them. So it should be cool. Should be cool case studies, and we might use some pages on Health Ambition to see actually if maybe what happened is we just had terrible on-page, which would not surprise me. I would say it's probably the
0: yeah. I I would be if I had to pick anything, I would say that our on-page on Health Ambition is very weak at the moment.
1: So I would say it's the weakest part of the equation. Yeah, so. By a long way, yeah. Exactly. So it's probably the first thing we're going to be playing with. So let's see. But basically, we're not going to do much about this until Black Friday. So uh, we'll keep you updated. We are trying to be as transparent with you as possible about these things, whether we do well or we don't do well. In that case, it didn't do so well for this site. But I think it can be an opportunity to address something that can happen to a lot of people who listen to us. So Let's see what happens, but now let's jump into the topic of the podcast, which is client work. And I think what we should start with is when you should consider it, because several of our members in HPro do a bit of both, right? They, they run their sites, or they, they, they are historically freelancers, or they have historically worked in agencies, and they're growing their portfolio of sites, but it's not necessarily the business model that goes the fastest, especially if you only rely on Google, and if you want to do uh, just affiliate marketing. So that's when client work kind of comes in as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, even for us, like when we kind of got started, we started Health Emission, mission. We started Authority Hacker when we still had our our agency going. So we we kind of did that essentially.
1: So I, I I see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, and but like, and there's several cases where I would like say it's a good idea. And mean, first of all, I quite like it because if you have low experience in online marketing and it's a great way to get paid and acquire experience which might be useful to grow your sites another case where considering it is a good idea is let's say you want to start authority sites but you have a job that is like an 80 hour a week job or like a job where you have to travel a long time to get there, et cetera. And so that means that... If-
0: even even just a regular nine to five, though, I find that's like the perfect amount of time, 35, 40 hours a week to just like tire you out so you don't want to do anything in evenings and weekends by the time you've you know done your commute and made dinner and that kind of stuff. It's it just, I find normal job too much for to, to do anything else aside like that. Yeah, if Karl
1: Marx was here, he would tell you that's like a whole conspiracy from the... People who run the <laughs> society, you know. But anyway, another thing as well is, let's say you you have a beginning of a site that's starting to do well, it's making like, like three figures a month, it's like not a lot, but like you're like it has good momentum. But you're short on cash to grow it. So like if you added a hundred pieces of content to it, it would do a lot better. But you can't necessarily afford that. Then Cloudwork is a good way to uh, essentially progress in online marketing and make extra cash that you can put in your project. So it can be a good financing route because it, the payouts can be quite decent for climate work. So that's one thing that I would consider doing. And another thing as well is I feel like if you want to like have a broader perspective on online marketing, just working in all sorts of different projects. I know for us, like, we didn't necessarily enjoy the agency experience, especially towards the end. But it gave us so much experience in so many niches. Like now, you know, I was at this conference and people were like talking about all these niches. I was like, oh, yeah, I worked in this. Oh, yeah, I worked in this. Oh, yeah, I worked in this. And when you work in, um, you know, when you're going to be doing niche research, when you're going to think about affiliate offers, et cetera, you acquire a large spectrum of experience that's really valuable that you don't necessarily acquire when you work on just one or two sites. So I would say that is the main cases where I would say client work can be useful. Any other cases that you want to mention?
0: No, not really. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of client work in general, as we'll, we'll see
1: throughout this, this show.
0: But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I still think it's something that some is it, good for some people. I, I mentioned some. Uh...
0: Yeah, there are cases, we'll get into them when we start talking about some specific business models. There are situations when it's worthwhile. And when you, you know, maybe you 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 can think about it. I would say that tends to be more people who don't already have an authority site or, you know, they're more towards the beginning of their online marketing journey, shall we say, or they have, you know, in some cases, you know, have a lot of experience and they, they really like hit the nail on the head with the agency model in like a very specific way. I'll, I'll talk about some examples in a sec and they kind of, they, they know what they're doing. I, I would say when we got into it, we did not know what we're doing at all. We pretty much just made it up as we were going along and yeah, that was kind of a, a problem.
1: We didn't really have an exit strategy there. So, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that's what makes you hate it so much right now? I just didn't. What if you had started sites and you did did really bad and then you had more experience and started to an agency worked out?
0: Well, I would say for sure, if we had started, if we had taken, you know, all those gray hat automated link building tools, which we were using in 2010 and started our own websites, I'm sure we would have gotten most of them penalized and, you know, made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it would have been more enjoyable, I believe, because it's like it, we're building it. We're building something for ourselves. We're not building other people's businesses for them.
1: Yeah, but you can argue the agency is for you. Like it's 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 a business on its own, you know?
0: I mean, it was a business, like it was a limited company, but it didn't really feel like a, it felt more like a job than a, an actual business.
1: I also think it's a personality thing. Like, we don't like getting on phone calls with people, et cetera, and doing all that stuff. It's like some people, like, you know, when I explain my lifestyle on working on websites, which is essentially locking myself in my office and not talking to anyone for the whole day, they're like, I would hate to do that, you know? And uh, and they, they, they would much rather talk to people and, and do these collab jobs in all that stuff even though it's not easy and we're going to talk about that but like yeah I think there's a personality aspect to it as well you know
0: I think a good analogy is like when you're building an agency it felt like you know Ten steps forward, nine point nine steps backwards, that kind of thing. Whereas with authority sites, it's like, you know, ten steps forward, one step back, ten steps forward, one step. It's like 40% backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah really, but really like it it house emission in that case. I mean, even then, you know, like when that happened, we saw that traffic, it's like, okay, you know, that's a significant thing. But, you know, if you compare that to like how we felt when Like we had lots of clients face similar penalties or even lesser penalties. It was like, oh
1: my God, this is the end of the world. I think that's because you've been through the client stuff that now you're like, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out for health ambition. Yeah, exactly. I think that that your past experience influences that. But if it was your first experience on health ambition, you'd probably say it's the end of the world right now, even though it's not. Yeah, Um, I mean... But I think we should... Go ahead, finish that, and then let's jump on the business models.
0: I think we kind of were diversified enough in our our traffic and our income streams now that it's like it's not we can take that on the chest like very easily and like oh yeah we'll figure it out in a couple months kind of thing you know and it's not really a big
1: deal i know? know people were surprised at this conference because i was like oh yeah we dropped 40 percent on traffic I'm like oh my god so i was like ah right we'll figure it out it's okay <laughs> I'm not that worried actually, but anyway, let's talk about the business models for agencies. And there's three main ones that we should talk about. Is the one essentially is selling deliverables, which is essentially a very defined, productized service model. Then there's like the custom service model where you you have defined services, but you kind of define what it is for each client by making some kind of consultation for them. And there's essentially the one stop shop approach, which is doing all of marketing or all of SEO for them and just taking responsibility for the results in that case. So that's, but let's start with first the productized service model i'll let you take that one i mean i wouldn't nec-
0: i would say there's we're talking about selling a deliverable here there's i would say productized services are almost something else like selling a deliverable can be like you know selling a guest post for a 100 bucks or whatever the, they go for these days selling uh you know content if you operate some kind of like you know content agency model um, where you you know people can go onto your website and like check out and buy it and pay you through paypal submit the order form and uh, you know go through your your process there is like another kind of productized service model Uh, there was a wordpress one i forget what they called now and there's a like design pickle is does it for design where it's like you pay x amount of dollars per month and you kind of get all you can eat design or all you can eat WordPress help, but it's, there's always limitations in that. You know, you can only do one job at a time or it's limited to 30 minutes or like small as they define it, you know, ticket items, that kind of thing. Yeah. So like we did this, it wasn't our, the main focus of our, our agency, but we ended up going into it when guest posting sort of became a big thing in like 2012, I think it was. We
1: were one of the first agencies that did it, actually, I think. like it, Now a lot of people do it, but like back in the day, it was not that many people. Oh, by the way, people take a shot or something because people make fun of me for saying back in the day. So, <laughs> Oops. Yeah, so basically, guess, Like it was just after Penguin. So we were doing link networks, like LinkVana, Build My Rank, a unique article without for the people that remember these things. Essentially, there were services where you were paying for access to a network, and then you'd submit a spin article or sometimes a unique one, and it would just post it on a bunch of blogs and do links. That got penalized by the update. And then people were like, oh my god, we can't do link building anymore, et cetera. And then we just decided to try to figure out guest posting at scale. And then uh, we found that it was really easy to sell that, to sell that as a unique service, so just like one guest post. And I think we sold it for around $150-ish.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that's if you bought one. But it was it was a lot less if you're, you know, for people buying in bulk. But uh, yeah, I think it was like seventy bucks, sixty, seventy bucks if you bought like ten or something like that. So, what
1: would you say are the pros and cons of it?
0: Well, it can be, as I said, it can be sold via your website. Like, you know, people will and they did like buy through our site when we we're sleeping, and you can do marketing for that without having to get on a sales call with everyone and create custom proposals and spend a lot of unpaid time acquiring customers, you know, you can acquire customers quite, quite easily. You still have to do a bit of marketing, but it's kind of like you're building a funnel in place to generate money for you, yeah. which, I, which I really like that aspect of it. It's also very easy to understand like what, so clients know what they're getting. They know what they, know what they want as well. No one's going to go, you know, buy some guest posts if they don't know what guest posts are. Generally, our clients, when we had that business, were you know other agencies, sometimes other guest posting agencies, authority site owners who actually had maybe their own link building team and they just wanted some more guest posts. So the client education level was quite good. So we didn't really have to sell people on what are the benefits of, of guest posting. It was just like, hey, we can do this. Here's what you get. Here's much you charge. People, like, it was
1: yeah. very easy to sell. Yeah, I remember we'd literally have like one Skype call with people, and they would wire us up to ten thousand dollars when we make good sales, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. and it was big, and that wouldn't be the case with the other business models, not after the first chat at least.
0: Yeah, and so the because you have a, a specific deliverable here, like all you have to do is achieve that, so you can work on you know, improving efficiency, scaling, doing all this kind of stuff, which is going to help you to, you know, produce more. And it's not necessarily going to take like a lot more of your time. If you're selling your services on an hourly basis, or for some kind of like fixed price, fixed agreement for what you're going to do, it's quite difficult to leverage your time in a more efficient way with, with that. So I think selling deliverables is definitely advantageous from, from that perspective.
1: Yeah, what I like as well is like you're not responsible for the result. You're just responsible for what you have to do, you know? So like when you do the one-stop shop thing, you're going to be judged on how good the SEO traffic is if you're doing SEO, for example. Whereas if you do guest posting, you'll just be judged on whether the guest post is live or not and if it's good or bad, basically. But you're not going to be responsible for the effect of it, of the this guest post on the traffic of the site, for example.
0: That can sometimes be a little bit of a negative though I guess when with the less well educated clients who think that you know just getting a bunch of guest posts is gonna like make them rank number one for everything when you know the contents shit or something so
1: yeah but they don't blame you for it you know
0: <laughs> I feel like they stopped those kind of people would would buy guest posts, not notice any difference because they hadn't done a bunch of other stuff and then stop and blame the guest post kind of thing it's not as big an issue but yeah i I definitely feel there's there's something in there i mean certainly if you're like responsible for all their online marketing which we'll talk about in a sec that also comes with its share of problems more than its fair share of problems i think but the one advantage of that is you have complete control over everything so you can actually if you know what you're doing affect things in a positive way
1: so yeah so but the problem is the selling this kind of stuff like privatized services is usually the margins are pretty like small. It's not as big. It's not like an absolute ton of added value in there. There's no strategic level of consulting or mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that you 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 know markup a lot. It's mostly grant work that is outsourced. And so people are don't are not expecting to pay a ton of money for this. And I guess people I mean when people regularly ordered guest posts from us, you know, someone did come and they'd order like agencies would order two hundred, and then some months they'd come and it did order ten, and then it was very like we still had to hire people and pay their salaries every month, regardless, and that was a bit of a problem for us because the you know some months would be amazing and some months we'd make a loss. And I remember like, it literally had some months, you were we were like, you were giving in numbers of the months. So, I'm like, oh yeah, we made like $5 profit on the guest posting service. And some months would be like, you know, a nice five figure number, but it really was so variable. That's a bit nerve wracking, I think, as a lifestyle as well.
0: Yeah, we were sort of at the higher, not higher end, but like in terms of growth and scaling and team size, like, you know, we had, I don't know, like nine, 10 people, something like that working on guest posting this
1: guest even 12 i think at
0: yeah uh, like something like that but if we're doing it ourselves with like a couple of vas or something i think it was a very different thing you know we, we yeah. would have limitations we didn't maybe that was one of our problems we didn't have any limitations on the amount of work like clients would accept or guest posts we accept maybe we could like roll them over to, to next month it's probably uh, one of the many mistakes we made along along the way But uh, something else around, you know, selling services in this way, I think there can be a lot of competition. Uh, I mean, depending on what you're doing, if it's something kind of like, like it's almost like a commodity, like a guest post is, I'm not saying that all guest posts are commodities or content and commodities, but from many people's perspectives drx guest post is the same as another drx guest post you end up being compared to other other people other services and there's always someone cheaper no matter what you do there's always someone going to undercut you so you you have to kind of factor that in and try and differentiate yourselves on other factors not just not just price as well so
1: Yeah, it's impossible. I think there's always, I mean, at this point, I mean, I'm looking at the market right now. Essentially, what's happening is that the quote unquote cheap guest posting services that I see, because that was the market we're in, they're just PBN links and people just call it guest posts. And it's just like, yeah, and they are really shitty ones for some of them. And so, yeah, we couldn't do guest posting and compete on price and overall i think that is going to be true for all of them like if you wanted to compete for like a design service like design pickle does it would be more on the quality of your designers probably like you should i would almost say make an ex- a more expensive one but find better designers rather than like try to be the cheapest to start
0: yeah it's again though when you're presenting it as a service uh the only thing i mean p- there's no way to measure and display quality in that sense the only way you can you can do that with something like design is is the only number or metric you put out there is is price i mean samples you know you can get good samples it's not necessarily representative of what you're going to deliver you know everyone puts their every web designer puts the the like a super nice thing on their portfolio but it's not necessarily what they're you know gonna yeah but they 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 still get hired you
1: know (laughs) Yeah, no. No, that's the thing. If you're able to deliver behind and you're able to sell people, then it's fine. And, and that's when like building funnels and, and being good at sales pages, et cetera, starts to matter. And I think, I think that's definitely important for that business model is like to get good at... It's like the other business models, the custom services and um, all-in-one, basically. You need to talk to people. Whereas for productized services, your webpage can make the sale. And so your ability to create a trustable website, your ability to create a sales page that convinces people is much more important for this business model. So if you're good at it, then that's probably like going to be the one I would pick actually. Let's talk about custom services. So custom services, essentially, it's, it's still deliverables like guest posting, like content creation, et cetera, except there's a degree of consulting that comes with it. So people come to you, they're like, oh, I want content marketing. So you're going to be selling them blog posts. But you will probably have to put together a proposal, look at their website and be like, you know, I think you need this, I think you need this. So a personalized recommendation on what they should have and probably address that with time depending on performance. So it is kind of similar, but a very different way of selling it because the previous model, you would literally just have a price on your website. People would click buy and check out. For this one, they'll probably just contact you and then you'll be putting together a proposal. And that's kind of a con for me. It's like the sales process is just more cumbersome, but the pro is you can charge for it and you can add more value.
0: It tends to be more focused on you as an individual rather than you as a service. So like, you know, when we're Design Pickle, you know, people go to Design Pickle, but, uh, you know, Eric, for example, who, who does custom service type link building, People go to Eric, you know, as the person because they're 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 not really buying the service; they're buying him and his what he's going to deliver, but also his insights about how he should deliver it and like you know what the best strategy for them is. Like, there's that extra layer of kind of oversight: is this the right thing? What should we be doing? And kind of control productized service. That layer is like still within the business ordering the the, the productized service. So I think that's really what you're paying for with the. With the extra markup that custom services tend to
1: have, yeah, it's it's one of these things. Like if you don't want to have a ton of clients, it's probably the the business model I would go after. If you're small, basically, and it's usually hard to put together a productized service with no team or anything, and usually you're not going to make enough volume to make a good profit. So I would almost say custom services, this kind of stuff, is is what comes just before you do productized services. And you were talking about Eric, actually. I think that's a cool story that we should mention. So, Eric is Eric Carroll, parents' brother. And um, it's funny because we had that talk, I think, like two years ago now. He was traveling the world. He had sites, but they didn't do super well. And uh, he was like, man, I'm running out of money. I'm struggling. Like, I mean, I, I can pay my bills, but barely. It's difficult. And there was, this, you know, updates, da, da, da. And so I was like, man, if you just need to pay your bills, like, You're good at link building. Just sell that to people until you figure it out. You'll be fine financially. And I was like, you know, it's not that hard to make $10,000 a month selling link building, especially if you're just selling your own time. It's not that bad at all. Like the profit margin is going to be good because you're not paying salaries. And little did you know that something like five months later, he was already making five figures a month selling link building. And he's still like basically now he's still selling link building as a service. I think he wants to go back to websites, but he actually enjoys it because, as I say, it's a personality thing. He loves talking to people. He loves being social and networking and doing all that stuff. And that very much matches this kind of like client work agency type you know of business and so yeah so
0: I think it's more interesting like link building is a lot more interesting on the higher end when you're trying to get like really really good links if you're just churning out like average and below average guest posts it's not you know it gets boring quite quickly after you've solved most of the you know difficult problems of creating a process around
1: that well it's scaling was an issue as well right when you do large volumes it's also definitely challenging um, that's the story of Eric and, and it worked out for him it's like for some people like we don't say our sites are for everyone yeah we, we kind of liked it but personally for the custom services to go back to it really annoys me with that business model is the sales process you will need to put together proposals for people you will need to follow up you will need to call them getting paid is not automated usually that kind of stuff so like a lot of your time is eaten around running this business that doesn't where well, you don't really get paid it's just like making sure things actually happen because you give that kind of degree of consulting for the one service you're delivering you will be a lot more responsible for the results that what you recommended get because you looked at people's websites and you're like oh you need like five blog posts per month whatever it is and then I think that should improve your, your traffic and then If that doesn't work after six months, people will say, well, that's you who actually decided that. Whereas on the productized service, people decide what they buy. So they're kind of responsible for at least the quantities and the products they buy. So if you get results, it's fine. If results don't happen, people will blame you, even though, as you said, people will blame you anyway (laughs) for the productized service. But they will blame you more at least. Do you want to talk about the one-stop shop? Because that we kind of did that to an extent for several clients, actually.
0: Yes. I mean, like w- that was our primary business model at our, our agencies, like to be basically we were the online marketing agency for them. So the good thing about that is we had in most cases full or near full control of the online marketing side of things. So, you know, we would decide the keywords to go for, we would decide what type of content to produce, we would produce the content in most cases, we would decide how to do link building, like all of that was under our control. So because we could do all of those things correctly, and with, in most cases, little red tape, we were able to actually, you know, get results, according to how we knew how to do it. No, that wasn't always the case because many websites were, you know, not on WordPress and had some like custom setup where the developer was essentially like holding them hostage. Or, you know, there's some situations where the, the owner preferred designs that he liked that didn't convert according to oh, our yeah. data versus
1: ones that he liked less. Or I should tell that story properly. I tell that story properly. It's like I was on a call with a client that we were working for. I was, we worked together for like six to eight months at this point. And so I was convinced about something that we should do on his page. I don't remember what. And he was convinced of something else. So we're like, okay, look, then what we're going to do is we're going to set up an A-B test and we're going to see which one is the most profitable for you in terms of generating leads. He was a banquet in Los Angeles, a banquet room. And so I was like, OK, let's, you know, you're the business owner. You know your business better than me. Uh, we should definitely take that into consideration. Let's do an A-B test and decide which one works best. And then we, we'll have a talk once we have data to look at. He's like, OK, sure, let's do it. And so, yeah, you know, it takes three weeks to get decent data because it's a local site. So it doesn't get a ton of traffic. So the data comes back and my solution wins. And so we show it to him. And uh, he's like, uh, "Oh, that's very interesting. I still want to do my solution." I'm like, "Wait, do you do you want your site to look the way you want, or do you want to make more money?" And he's like, "I want the site to look the way I want." And I was like, "I think we're done here." And the next month, he was not our client anymore. So, so that's the story. is
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, we have many other similar sort of stories around that. Like pe- people's business owners, especially like egos, get in the way of uh, of, of progress many times. So it can be it can be very frustrating when you're you know trying when you're responsible for improving their marketing and they're the they're stopping you from doing your job. So yeah, definitely didn't like that. Really good thing. So what are the pros and cons? Really good thing though. Well, control is is a big pro in most cases, as Mm -hmm. I said. But you can also charge a lot of money for this, like really a lot. You can you can easily charge five figures per client for for some packages of services like this, uh, you know. And if you're if you get into sort of like meeting people face to face in New York or London and dealing with big brands, can you even go to like six figures a month type thing? But you know, those are tend to be for bigger, more established agencies. But yeah, like you can you can make a lot of money from this. Uh, you can probably one client will get you job replacement income straight away if you uh if you structure it correctly and yeah it's it's generally a, quite a quite a good thing if you're if you're starting out it allowed us to go from almost like nothing to actually like you know having enough money to like dedicate uh, to quit our our other jobs and work full-time on the agency, like when we, when we so quickly
1: this, as well, right? Really quickly when we yeah. started. Like after three months, we were at five figures a month, I think. Or something.
0: Yeah, and you know, the problem quickly became like you know growth. Like you know, how do we sustain this? How do we you know serve all these yeah. new clients and stuff? And 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 at the start, that was a much bigger problem than how do we get new clients. Just because so many people, it's quite an easy thing to sell. Like, hey, you know, you pay me money and. I'll do this work and then it's going to grow your business by a lot more than what you're paying me for. That's like mo- most people will take that if it turns out to be true because it's a, it's a, a no brainer type type investment. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good model from, from that sense. I would say that, you know, I, I I'm not going to hide it. Like I hate all agency type models. Like I, dis- I, I wouldn't get into them again. That's not to say that they're, they're terribly bad as Gail, you mentioned Uh, It's something in yours and my personalities that we just don't really, it doesn't really sit well with us. There are some like more logical, I guess, concerns though, with, with the one-stop shop model, particularly, you know, if you have big drops, like the one we had on health ambition, clients are not going to take that well. You know, if you're responsible for everything, like a hundred percent of that problem is your, of that drop is your fault. And if you have many clients which are affected by a drop, then it's a, it's, it's, you, know, you have many problems on your hands. So getting people to kind of approach problems logically and thinking, okay, this has happened. Where are we? What can we do? What's the plan? How do we implement that plan? Like that's, that's how you should do. Typically, what clients will do, though, is they'll try and look at some of the things you've done recently and try and attribute the problem to one or two of those things in a, a more emotional kind of sense, and then that that will lead to just basically conflict. They're trying to justify why there's an issue, and you know,
1: there's a good chance you maybe get fired or they'll, they'll, they'll drop you. Yeah, I call it the agency dance every time there's an update. Actually, it's yeah, like the, it's just, swap agencies, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I mean, we lost when we had the agency. Was it Penguin update? Yeah, we lost a bunch of clients because because we were doing gray hat link building for for them with like automated tools and stuff like that and so we lost a lot of clients but so did a lot of other agencies and those those clients then came to us so it's kind of like they were just jumping around really to to different agencies we we were down definitely overall but there was there there was a lot of that going on so it's it's kind of funny in a way you know, it really does suck when people people drop off, not just for bad reasons. Like we had one client quit because we did too good of a job and we got him too many clients and he couldn't handle it anymore. So, you know, that, that's kind of like, well, it's, it creates the incentive to do just a good enough job,
1: but not an amazing job. If that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean... But that's kind of the thing. It's like, that's the debate as an agency. It's like as an agency, you're not incentivized at all almost to do an excellent job because all you want is you want to show some profit to the business owner like he pays you like six seven eight k a month and you show him like you know two or three k more of uh, extra revenue to his business than what he pays you and then that's a good deal for him but after you reach that point as an agency person you can either work on getting more clients that will pay you extra money or, or work on that site, and you will get absolutely nothing more, you know? And so it's the whole business model, unless there's some kind of like incentive on performance which we didn't have and which a lot of agencies don't have, but a lot of agencies have as well. So if you have that, that fixes it. But unless there's incentive on performance, as an agency, you just want to make more money than what you cost, you know?
0: Yeah, and there's also kind of situations where just like, you know, the person in the company who you're dealing with, like gets promoted or moves to a different job and someone new comes in and like, they don't even talk to you. They just kind of like fire you. I guess like bad Emotional side of of losing clients as well. That was kind of like a bit. It was always frustrating. It's like getting fired every
1: month when you change clients. You know. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's just like not the best. Uh, it's it's definitely it triggers you emotionally because a lot of things happen and they're out of your control. Especially if you work remotely, we were working remotely for people, so like they didn't they didn't meet us very much, so they didn't care about us that much, and so that that definitely. Did that, but yeah, that's basically uh, the one-stop shop. Unless you want to say something more,
0: I, I, would, I would, I would, I'd also say yeah, a couple of things. So there are uh, now I've seen like quite a few people who have agency type businesses, and they're really on it. Like they've they've read all the books about like how to structure your pricing models and business models and stuff. And you know they're not charging fixed fees a month. They they are on like percentage of growth base or you know something more complex like that. I'd say. Uh, I'm not sure how easy or how difficult it is to actually work with a client on that basis because I haven't done it. My perception is that it's quite challenging if they don't know you or if you don't have you know a very good reputation already. However, the people that do seem to be operating like that, this guy, John Loger, you might meet him at DCBKK. He's a really interesting guy. He has a business and they only work on a percentage of uplift yeah. basis. And so, in that situation, you are incentivized to like really deliver, at, you know, full on like uh, as as best as you can, because you're you're getting rewarded. Like the 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 more growth you generate, the more you make in your in your fee. So it can be done. It's complicated. It's difficult. But if you can get that to work, then yeah, it can be it can be very 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 profitable. Okay. The final thing I would say about the one stop shop model is it's very difficult to sell. If you have a, a productized service, generally you're not the face of it. You're not involved, you know, in the actual day-to-day operations. You can make SOPs for everything. You can hire people. Great. That's sellable. It's still the multiples, like less than half what you'll get from an authority site, you know, monthly rep, monthly profit, multiple to, to calculate the sales value. With a one-stop shop, it's much, much more difficult because generally you as the founder... Uh, are still heavily involved and hold a lot of the key relationships in that business and 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 that 's very very difficult to to pass on We were fortunate we we got a terrible multiple I think it was eleven or twelve or something like that yeah it was but, bad uh, we just wanted
1: to get out like we didn 't care we took the first off yeah so. And,
0: and so we we had a a, a poor uh, we had sorry we had relationships we were able to hand those relationships over, but then you know further down the line, there was an issue with the new owner. Not like reestablishing those relationships himself, and the uh, one of the ex-employees like t- t- tried to split the company, and all sorts of drama went 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 on. But basically, you know, the 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 issue there was like who holds the relationship, and yeah, with this type of with this type of model, generally it's going to be you as the founders. That's a, it's a hard thing to to pass on, and buyers are kind of generally a bit averse to 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 buying businesses like this, especially smaller ones.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna ask my question now. Yeah. Uh, what's your number to go back to agency work?
0: I, I, I wouldn't do it. Like the, you, you couldn't for any kind of money. I mean, it would have to be eight figures, and even then, it would only be
1: for a year or so. <laughs> you, so you, you needed at least ten million dollars for one year of work. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just asking.
0: If you offer, it, like, I'm not, I'm not joking. If you offer me nine million dollars for it, I wouldn't do it. Please, someone do it. Let's see if
1: he doesn't do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about. I uh, was just going to run through several benefits and challenges of client work now and kind of like tips that we have for the end because I'm literally looking at the time of this podcast and we have gone through half our notes. So good job. <laughs> but like, I think the main challenge is one of the, sorry, let's talk about the benefits rather. One of the main benefits for me is that you only need to master one or two skills. Like, running authority sites is so many skills. I mean, stage one sites, it's okay. It's kind of like just SEO and content creation. But once you get into funnels, once you get into all of that, like you need to learn CRO, you need to learn email marketing, copywriting, creating sales pages, website tech, link building, content creation, management, etc. So it's a lot of skills to, ma- ma- to master. It's really interesting, but it's also really challenging and sometimes overwhelming, especially for beginners. Whereas if you are doing this kind of business model, if you're just good at link building, you can have a successful business, whereas if you're just go to link and try to build sites, you're not going to make that much money, actually. So I think this and the speed at which you can make money. I mean, as we said, we didn't know what we were doing. And after three months, we were already making five figures of revenue. Obviously, there was cost, but it wasn't that bad because we were doing most of the work. And so like, just the fact that you, for beginners, it's not so bad because you don't need to know so much. And also, you can kind of like work on your skills, and, you know, in the view of creating authority sites, while well, you're getting paid and you make money quite fast and you don't have to work from time as well.
0: Looking back, like we really knew nothing, like nothing when we we, we started, but it was still a hell of a lot more than like most of our clients then knew. So, you know, you're kind of like always going to be, even if you're a beginner, like a few steps up the ladder from the people who just don't have a clue. There's value in that, you know, you because you have even a little bit of experience there you know, you, there's value in that. Like people will pay for your, your knowledge or for your advice in that situation.
1: And for your time, because they don't necessarily have time. So it's quite valuable to have someone that has some knowledge and a lot of free time to do your stuff. And the pay is quite good, actually. Uh, and Let's talk about the challenges now. And actually, I'll let you talk about them. <laughs> this uh, because...
0: this, this list, like five times the size of the pennies, please, <laughs> like please, please do it fast. Okay. So (laughs) number one, the time trap. So basically, this is the same as when you have a full time job, like you you don't really have that much time to build other businesses, i.e. authority sites or, you know, anything else you want to want to do when you're running an agency, because it sucks you in. And you end up, you know, dealing with a lot of crises. And as soon as you feel like you've set some time to launch your new authority site that you're planning, you know, some big crisis comes and you have to like spend a couple months dealing with that. So that's definitely an issue it took us a lot longer to start our authority sites because we had this, this going on.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about stage. it one year before we started and then it was January and we we're like, it's been one year. It's time to do it. It was like kind of like new year resolution. I remember we literally, we locked the designer of the agency in the office with us. And he just, uh, he was just walking behind us on like establishing the site where we were kind of dealing with the pressing stuff from the agency. And I, uh, so yeah, that that and we talked about this for a year before we did anything. So and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening there in this case right now. So it, it it's not just you, but yeah, it would suck your time anyway. Let's keep going.
0: So talking about time, it, running agencies a very poor leverage of your time. You generally need to spend a lot of hours in in doing work and dealing with clients and managing staff that that kind of thing, and it's very hard to grow your businesses, your business without growing the same amount of time you're spending on it. Even, you know, hiring management and, and that kind of stuff. Like it, there's always extra time that costs and, and there's always extra time involved in doing that. And just compared to running uh, an authority site type business, just it's night and day. That's the only way I can describe it in terms of, uh, in terms of leverage. It's also things like, you know, you can't really go away for, you know two three week vacation in the summer because you need to like t- deal with your clients if, if you're not feeling it or you know if you're moving house or, or something like that then you know generally you take a little bit of time off around those and it's very difficult when you when you have monthly deliverables for clients to to, to work with the the one of the
1: I was going to say there's just two times in the year where it gets slow for the agency business is in August, second half of August and Christmas, New Year. Like these are the two times where you can take a bit of time off. Otherwise, yeah, you cannot.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's, it, it just sucks in terms of leverage of your time. Like one of the greatest things about authority sites is you can literally like drop it for a month and like not touch it. And it's still going to still going to, continue bringing you, you you money if you obviously if you don't work on it at all this there can be gradual decline eventually it will drop yeah 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 but you know it's
1: comparative to the agency model it's it's so different in that sense it's more but, inertia it's a fa- it's a slow business model like you know size there's like six months between what you do and the results you get so even if you take a little bit of time off, like you, you barely see it. But like agencies, like you get money faster, but you it also drops faster,
0: basically. Yeah, that inertia, I think, is a very good way to describe that
1: that phenomenon, actually.
0: So I mean we already talked about clients being very demanding, being irrational in the sense of wanting a different uh, wanting a design they like instead of to make more money. It, you know, it happens. All of this can feel a bit kind of grindy. I think that's your, your phrasing, not mine, but it's, it's like, it, it's not that different from an actual job uh, in that sense. You're, you, you know, you're, you're, dealing with a boss. Since you call them a client. It's repetitive. You have, you know, you don't have full control over, over what you're doing in the direction
1: you want to take these marketing campaigns. You're, you're very adherent to someone else. And they'll be scared, and they won't necessarily trust you. And like establishing trust and all these things with your customers is—it's a lengthy process. Like the first three months, people will not trust you that much. So you—you you have to have strategies to convince them. Like finding quick wins that you can have on month one, so that then the, you increase your trust a bit. Then show that you can maintain it on month two, and maybe on month three you can propose the stuff you actually wanted to do in the first place you know
0: yeah that i ever forgot about that actually that's super annoying like trying to trying to do those quick wins that are fairly low value just to like prove that you know what you're doing totally
1: forgot about that it's God, like office hard. politics you know
0: <laughs> yeah it's it totally is totally is and like we, you and i hate that kind of stuff and we don't really have anything remotely like that here with um uh, maybe our employees do it to
1: us you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) you just don't think about it but like maybe they do like they listen to a podcast like yeah i know Um, but yeah
0: (laughs) so growth can be very tricky as there's a need to respond to to demand like new clients when you get a big new client or uh, they used always used to come in batches you get like three new clients in a week or something and we'd be like scrambling to deal with them and you know, hiring new people to, 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 to help serve them. And of course, hiring people is difficult. It takes a lot of time. It's a slow process. And when you have that urgency around it, you can often end up compromising on your recruitment standards and hiring non-A players, which can be a real problem further
1: down the line. Do you remember like one time we signed a big client for link building and we need someone to help and we just had a friend that was laying around. So we took him to a steakhouse for dinner and we just offered him a job so that he can start on Monday. It was Friday night.
0: Yeah, basically. Uh, so
1: that, <laughs> <laughs> And then six months later, this guy walked in our office and he's like, double my salary or I quit. To which we say, see you later. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That was... <laughs> so this is what happens when you have to hire in a hurry, you know
0: yeah yeah and a lot of that was kind of our fault though as well for uh i know a lot of agencies now like they'll create a waiting list and they'll you know if you if you can't start them immediately it's like okay well our next opening is in six months that's a much smarter way to do it you have much more control you can recruit slower you can take your time with things so you know don't necessarily think that you just have to you know respond instantly in those kind of situations But yeah, you also mentioned before like client volatility is hard on profitability, cash flow, like the ability to predict how much money you're gonna earn next month. You would think would be great in an agency because you tend to have monthly contracts. However way we ran it at least there was so much variance month on month and i've spoken to even um forget his name the guy from design pickle like i interviewed him on a previous show he had an agency before that and he had many of the same problems that that we had in that situation like doing all the i think we
1: were bad but not that bad you know
0: it was an experience to go through it and I'm, i'm glad we did because it really like got us to where we are today in that sense i'm really curious what would happen if we actually had started with authority sites where where we're being now
1: today we'd make a podcast about how much ages how how agencies are so much better than websites. yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh sites i hated it I, like how much money mark to build websites again yeah i like,
0: yeah. so so don't see that happening
1: so if, if it had gone that way <laughs> we'll never know but yeah. that's what the other mark in the other universe says as well yeah but uh, yeah, I think that your next point, I'm gonna take it actually, and it's gonna be it's like that you're reliant on Google updates the same way you're always building your site. So maybe people like you know see it as like a safer thing because at least you have some control over your clients, whereas Google just doesn't care about us. And it's not true. I mean, if you do SEO, it's definitely not true because your clients will, will get affected uh, by updates. And the fact that you work on many sites, I mean, you know, at some point we had like 70, 80 clients plus the clients that were buying guest posts, et cetera. Well, um, for sure, every time there's an update, some sites will be affected. And because all these sites are built differently, like we kind of like build a lot of our sites in at least some degree similar ways. So it's kind of together. But like every Google update, some people were affected. Like not a lot. So it was sometimes one, sometimes five, sometimes whatever. But it means that you're it, it was adding to the volatility of what we were doing because, Every single update, you would need to like call people. So like, I would stay in the office till like 10 p.m. to just like call like have five client calls in a row when there was a big update, just to like explain to them what happened and uh, try to explain to them like what the industry was saying. Essentially, just related news and uh, and talk about what was possible to do if they had any issue or things that they should be careful of if they were not getting affected. But uh, yeah, so and and the communication job just. Uh, on top of the updates, was it was really grindy, especially we did it at the time, where Google was doing a lot more heavy updates than they do right now. Like, like it's, It feels kind of easy now, even though we got this hit on health ambition compared to where it was. And yeah, so it's like you, you are still on Google updates, and you will have to deal with all of them, pretty much, because everyone will have such different sites. Do you want to pick the next point?
0: Yeah. And often in most cases, the the parts that get hit are, you know, outside of your control. But, you know, if someone loses, if someone's only running one website and they lose 50% of their traffic and 50% of their income, you know, they're going to be looking for areas of expense to cut yeah. quite quickly. And, you know, it's, it's quite likely that you're going to be one of them in that situation. So, yeah, it's a problem.
1: Yeah. So just up on the tips. Let's finish with some tips for our client worker trade. Yeah, I want to finish with some tips. Like we gave you a bunch, like you know, you need to get interest, etc. But like I, I have some more, and if you're considering it, despite Mark's negativity here, then, <laughs> then I'm still gonna tell you what uh, what I would do. So the first one, ah, oh, this is your note. Please object not that. I'm just gonna start with mine. The first one I would recommend is set clear limits to the scope of your work, especially when you're responsible. Like when you do the full on service, you you still need to set responsibilities like are you responsible for editing the website or is the web developer doing it? Are you responsible for creating the content or are they responsible for it? Do they need to approve your link building prospects or do they need to do it? Like you need to kind of like define the responsibilities on both sides because otherwise it's going to be a communication nightmare and the campaign is gonna stall like crazy because both sides will expect the other side to do the next step. So Setting it clear is super important. My second advice is template your work. Whether that's sales proposals, or monthly reports, or keyword research, templates are the way to, first of all, consistency, and also to improve. But they're also one way of making this less of a time suck to run this stuff. So like you want to just have, if I was starting an agency today, I would probably try to take a month just to work on templates because it would remove so much stress and it would make it so much easier. So yeah, make a list of everything you will need to provide to customers, every report, and every kind of steps of your campaigns, and have a template ready on Google Drive for that. The next one I have is reply to emails fast. It's like, it's stupid, but people will like you more if you reply to email fast rather than if you get them better results. It's that crazy but like if you just show you on the board people will like there will be so much like when i was talking about distrust uh, replying to emails fast or even like jumping on the call if there's any kind of tiny concern and just showing very very good communication with people was it making things so much smoother and just being the first one to call the first one to email etc so once again, it's an office politics game. You obviously want to get results, but someone with mediocre results and excellent communication will probably have higher ratings than someone with excellent results and poor communication.
0: I, I used to send emails out on uh, so they would go out on Saturday, even though I wasn't working that day, just so people thought I was working at the weekend. And same on like Christmas Day, I would always send like people uh, a resp- like certain clients a response to their. Like latest issue or question on Christmas Day, and like, oh wow, this, this they're
1: really on the ball with that. Yeah, it's so important. Like people want to feel. But like, it's
0: like it's crazy that you have to do that.
1: <laughs> it's so silly, but yeah. you know that's just how it is. I've learned a lot of crazy things about SEO on page this weekend. I'll we'll talk about this in another podcast as well. But uh, typical crazy stuff. Another thing as well is price higher than you think. Most people price their stuff too low. I'd rather price high initially and give discounts because people feel like they're getting a good deal when you're just pricing them the price that you would have charged normally anyway but yeah it's like i would really price myself really high these days and then just that's also why i would work on my template so my proposal would look like super nice and clean and then if you price yourself high and have excellent communication it would feel like a high-end product i hope you can back it up with your performances i can't verify that but it's like Provided you will, you intend to provide a good service. If you price yourself high and have high communi- good communication, that's how you actually make some profit at least.
0: That's one of the that's one of the issues I think with the agency model in general is it's very easy to gain clients if you just price yourself very very low, but then you end up not making much profit. And you know you have this business. It's like oh great, I, I run an agency. You know I have thirty clients or whatever. Awesome. But you you're not making any money. You're not making any profit. You know everything you 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 spend, everything you make, you know goes back into you know supposed growth or staff bills or whatever you know expensive offices this this kind of stuff. You know we've done all of those things r- wrong. A really good book I'm reading at the moment actually, it's called Profit First, and yeah, it's about kind of taking your profit first and then you know working with what you have left. And that whole mentality, I think, would have would worked very well for us in in the agency situation, but. Again, if you're making a lot of money, if you're making a lot of profit, because you have you're charging a lot of money for it, that's it's much easier to to kind of you have much more margin for error with the way you run your business than if you're really running lean. So yeah, actually, so it's only really one tip. I mean, like you wanna decide before you get into this what is this a long term thing or is it a means to an end? You know, if you're doing this as a way to quit your job to learn about online marketing so that you can eventually start an authority site make sure you do all of those things and make sure you don't just end up in this kind of agent, the agency trap we used to call it where you, you you're, you're making decent money, but you don't really have much time to spend on, on, you know, what your, your next thing is. And so you need to have an exit strategy that can be either be that, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to spend X amount of time working on the site. Once I reach, x amount of money per month i'm gonna quit the agency thing or or whatever even if you're you know you you're going, going more serious in the agency side of things and you want to you know sell it eventually you need to have an exit strategy for that so if you're going to sell it you obviously need a team around it you need processes you need different set of relationship controls than you know most people would have in that situation you need to package it as a sellable business which by default agencies are not so just have that in mind. What you're trying to do with it at the end, when you get into it, uh, because it's very easy just to just to start charge not very much money and, and find yourself caught in this like rat race
1: of of sorts. So I have the most obvious question yeah. for you at the end, but like like you really just answered the whole time. It's like, would you do it again? And if you did it again, which model would you go for?
0: Like I would not do it again under any circumstances. I keep enough.
1: Well, no, five figures in one, yeah what's Uh, not eight figure in one year sorry yeah if people offer you 10 million dollars in one year for one year then you do it
0: it's so high it's unrealistic though like it would just wouldn't be worth anyone's money to 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 do that there's no way i could generate 10 million dollars of value for for someone in in one year really really
1: you think that spending 10 million dollars on the guy that felt at his agency is not a good idea (laughs) no (laughs) no okay all right but which model would you go for if you had to productized service yeah i would do the same it's like i feel like with our knowledge for our funnels now we could actually do pretty well at that but we're not gonna do it so don't expect a link building for service from us or anything but uh yeah yeah, it's not happening but um but yeah i would also go for that all right let's just wrap it up now uh guys thanks for listening if you like this podcast feel free to drop us a review on itunes subscribe etc it helps if you want to find the show notes for this podcast, you will find all of them on atarihacker.com slash client dash walk. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.
0: Just want to finish by saying that if you were hit by the recent update, don't go start an agency. Don't quit what you're doing now and, and do something. Yeah, I thought it's
1: bad timing, you know.
0: This is infinitely worse because a lot, of, like some people were saying this and one person at least was saying this in the pro group. It's you're jumping out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak just deal with the problem uh you know uh, the best you know how to and and try and solve the problem in your existing business rather than start from scratch there's so many more skills you have to learn with with an agency which you won't already have if you're only running authority sites at at the moment and ultimately it's it's less rewarding it's less enjoyable and it's just not how
1: you should be spending your time (laughs) i agree i think it's good that you're mentioning that it's like this is not our plan to say to people, like, you should start an agency now. We're definitely sticking with authority sites. Our other sites, they've not been hit. Everything's fine. We have, it's not a lot of our revenue that dropped off. And we also recommend people to stick with the model because we see our other sites are doing just fine. Even authority hacker went up a bit, actually. So yeah, it's, it's not the reason we're doing that. We're doing this podcast because it was asked to us to do it on the authority hacker pro group. So that's basically it. So I'm going to remind you once again, The show notes are on authorityhacker.com slash client Unless Mark interrupts me, this is the end of this podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on
0: authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.